All right, guys, we were talking about growth hormone and insulin and kind of the application for specifically muscle hypertrophy. But we also want to talk a little bit about how it applies to fat loss too, just to kind of give you both sides of it. Because I think growth hormone is this really cool yet misunderstood like hormone slash drug that like people are like, oh, it's going to make me fucking huge because it's growth hormone when it's like mm-hmm. not really. That's not what hor- growth hormone does. <laughs> sorry. And sorry, it doesn't help you gain muscle. <laughs> like, it's- is it beneficial in a stack? <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. And we're going to talk about that, but it's not like I feel like people are like, it's the, it's the missing piece, right? Like, yeah. it's like the missing link to, for me getting like these huge anabolic gains and reality is like, no, not really. Not even um, anabolic, but yeah. So first off, let's kind of like talk about just in the body, like what does, like what affects human growth hormone? Like, like, how is it like, why is it secreted and stuff like that? And just kind of talk about like the, the basics. So, you know, it's, like everything tightly regulated in this feedback loop. When we're talking about, it's going to be, you know, secreted from pituitary and this, you know, production and secretion is going to be controlled by a growth hormone releasing hormone at the level of the hypothalamus. And there are factors, um, inside of the, of our body. And then also outside of our body that increase or decrease the actual secretion of it. So for example, like growth hormones actually secreted in like a pulsatile wave throughout the body, but it's also really, really important to be secreted when we're surprised sleeping. Cause that's when we do a lot of our growth and repair. Um, it's also going to be secreted in higher levels after training, because again, what is training? It's a very, like, I know everyone's like, Oh, training is anabolic, but training is actually very catabolic. Like you are breaking down your fucking muscle tissue. So your body's going to respond to that stimulus and secrete growth hormone in a little bit of higher amounts to do damage control. Other things that can increase hormone, human growth hormone is like, you know, deep sleep. Like I said, um, estrogen, another reason why we don't want to be smashing, smashing estrogen by using like an aromatase inhibitor. Um, you know, exercise, like I said, like blood sugar levels also do it. Um, certain amino acids do it on the converse side stuff that actually decreases, um, human growth hormone secretion are things like having high visceral abdominal fat, like insulin resistance. We're thinking like metabolic syndrome, high blood sugar, poor sleep, um, again, low estrogen, or if you are using aromatase inhibitors, like all of these things can actually impact and decrease our body's own natural supply as well. Yeah. So I think also people don't really understand what growth hormone is used for, especially in the medical setting. Um, again, it's, it's, uh, health it's, it's used for health in the, in the medical field. So much like, um, you could use test TRT, uh, or like just HRT in general, um, human growth hormone is something that people use when you are either deficient in it and it's affecting your health. Mm-hmm. Um, in all the areas that Ashley just listed, I'm not going to go over them again. Um, but it's important that people understand that all, all things hormone wise that we enter into our body were some, some way, shape or form created for medical purposes. Mm-hmm. They were created for something to help people. And then we just use these things. To, we just use these things in bodybuilding to help our own selfish goals that we have on the stage. Right. Like, but, um, we want to make sure that the reason, the reason why we're talking about this is so 
you understand like what it is, what it does and why, why it was created in the first place um, and uh, how it applies to bodybuilding. Um, because it's important to know not only what the drugs do, um, but how they apply and where you can apply them. Um, and that we're not just like pulling shit and deciding to deploy drugs that we don't really know um, what they're actually doing. So. Exactly, exactly. So when we're actually talking about using growth hormone in like, let's say, for example, a an off-season growth phase type of setting, I think it's important to understand the mechanism of which growth hormone is taking specifically on, you know, skeletal muscle tissue. So it's important to understand that growth hormone primes the body for growth. It does not actually do the the growth promoting, you know, response that you might think. So it's going to prepare the body for bringing resources available like glucose and fatty acids. So that way, when IGF-1 is secreted, which is that important interaction between growth hormone and IGF-1, that, that synergy that it has, you know, growth hormones getting all of these resources available for IGF-1 to exert its actions, so you actually get the growth. Mm-hmm. So overall, like, again, we have to understand the growth is costly, right? Like no one wakes up freaking huge. Like you have to work at it. You have to train hard. You have to make sure your nutrition's in check. You have to make sure your hormones are balanced because growth is very hard. So what growth hormone does at the level of the skeletal muscle, it's going to reduce glucose uptake. And it's also going to increase, um, lipoprotein lipase, which is going to increase beta oxidation, which is just nerd talk for it's Mm -hmm. going to essentially have fat cells broken down into energy. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar um, at the level of the fat cells as well. It's going to increase lipolysis. So it's again, it's going to break down those free fatty acids, release them into the bloodstream. It's going to reduce glucose uptake, right? It's going to reduce the formation of fat. So if you hear all the things that I'm saying, it's getting the body ready for glucose and fat in the bloodstream, right? Which is why if you hear like well-known known coaches being like, you shouldn't be running growth hormone without insulin. It's because if you're just using growth hormone alone, you're essentially inducing this insulin resistance, right? You're having high blood glucose in the bloodstream. And if you don't have insulin levels to match that, you're going to see, you know, postprandial and fasting glucose levels rise, which again, not ideal. Retention, lots Mm. of negative side effects, or they're just side effects, (laughs) but you know, we will, but the thing is, is that you have to be prepared for some of these. Um, And so that's why there's, you know, if you're going to run something like growth hormone, you have to be prepared to run other things. If you're trying to gain muscle, if you are trying to gain muscle again, like GH was created for health, right? So in order, there's some precursors that need to happen. Um, if you're going to run GH and you expect to gain muscle again, it's not like you start taking it and you start just growing inches out of nowhere. Right. Like, um, So there are some precursors like that you need to have if you're going to take GH. Mm -hmm. So just the synergy between AAS and and GH are really important to to take into consideration as well, um, along with insulin. So um, satellite cells are precursors to skeletal muscle cells, and they're responsible for the ability for muscle tissue to regenerate. So um, AAS increases set satellite cell like production. Um, and so you need that and you need that synergistic compound for that to work. Um, so again, like you need anabolics, um, you need, you need to have that in depending on what, whatever cycle you're going to run with your coach, you need to have that in 
And you also need to, if you're going to run GH, you need to have that in a synergistic fashion um, along with your insulin. So there's, now we're talking about like a whole entire cycle design um, and you have to know what that looks like and you have to be very prepared for it. Um, it's, I mean, even the cost of all of this is going to be a lot. So <laughs> just keep those things in mind as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we're talking about the administration of growth hormone in this um, setting of an off season, we want to do it intramuscularly because that seems to be causing more localized production of IGF one activity. And when we're talking about IGF one, you can think of IGFs as like a family of peptides that are like largely growth hormone dependent who mediate a lot of the growth promoting um, actions that growth hormone has. So the liver is actually going to be responsible for the endocrine IGF one production around like 75% being produced by the liver under the regulation of growth hormone. So when we're talking about, well, I just used a word called like autocrine. So there are terms like autocrine and paracrine, which have to refer to the process of cell signaling to the cell itself and to also then neighboring cells. So if we're looking at hormones, like autocrine is like the mode of action of a hormone that binds with the receptors on the same cell surface, and it's going to impact the cell that produces it. Whereas paracrine is going to be nearby cells and affects the functions of those cells. So if we're administering growth hormone, like intramuscularly, we're kind of doing like more of a localized impact versus if you're to do it just like in your sub Q, like in your fat, essentially, then you're getting more of a localized effect, which that's where you can sometimes run into issues because obviously when we are wanting to use growth hormone for muscle building effects, we want it more localized. We don't want this whole systemic because again, like growth hormone doesn't just grow your muscles, right? It grows bones. It grows mm -hmm. like organ sizes. Like if you understand what growth hormone actually does, it's going to be like, you know, influencing kidney heart. Um, like I said, bone, ovarian testicles, stuff like that. So like there are certain things that we would want to grow versus other things you wouldn't want to grow. So that's why like also the administration, not just the sheer like volume of growth hormone you might be using and your cycle design is important. It's also important to, you know, kind of contain where you're injecting and understanding like how it's beneficial for hypertrophy versus fat loss. Right. Exactly. Um, and so there are going to be some differences like there that, that Ashley just explained, um, that you and your coach or whoever's guiding you should know, hopefully, like hopefully a coach, <laughs> hopefully a coach, hopefully not just yourself. <laughs> that's going to be guiding you through those, through those sort of like criteria and things like that, depending on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I just really want to harp on the fact that GH is not something that is just like any, just like any drug. I mean, like, I feel like any drug, like it's not like you just start taking it and that's all you have to do. Um, there are so many other things that you need to like you need to make sure are within reason. I mean, like even the fact that what was just said of, yes, like hormone growth hormone can help you with muscular gain by preparing your body to do that, but it can grow other things. Right. Um, and so that, that in itself is, could be an issue or it is an issue, um, moving forward, like health wise, which is why, um, proper dosing is super important. Um, and then also understanding that like taking care of your health during that time is really important as well. Well, at any time, there's no like right time to take care of your health, but <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. And yeah, dosing is really important because I think, you know, people are like, oh, well, more is better, right? Just like how more anabolics is better. But, you know, there's, it's important to understand that like one GH is very expensive. So like there is going to be that cost analysis in terms of just like your actual dollar amount, but you know, there is a ceiling amount to IGF secretion. So more isn't going to be better in this scenario. So there's definitely like, you can dose like throughout the day, like small little, like two to three IU, like maybe micro doses, but at the same time, like you also need to understand that if you are, you are injecting into the muscle belly, that's also even more micro trauma and micro tears that you're, you know, stressing out the muscle tissue yes. by the injections. Right. So there's yeah. like that. And then you have to think of like the syringes and needles, and hopefully you're not fucking reusing that shit, like sanitary yeah. considerations as well. So there is a ceiling amount to IGF one secretion that you can get. So more isn't going to be necessarily better. Like for women, honestly, two IUs in a growth phase is plenty. Like yeah. if you wanted to kind of push the envelope, you could use more, but again, thinking about like risk to reward ratios guys can use about like four to six in terms of like just how they time it. And also like financially thinking about how practical that is. You know, I know there are some people that use, I think there was one guy that said he used up a 12. I use a day. He didn't notice any benefit. So like, again, like take that with what you will, like you can use more. That doesn't mean you should use more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and when you're dosing this, like it is recommended that you're going to be doing it on training days. And then again, if you are using growth hormone, again, we're going to hype our harp on the point of also using insulin in conjunction, because again, of just the overall like studies that we have, like using growth hormone by itself is not beneficial for hypertrophy. But when combining it with anabolics and when combining it with insulin, you're even going to get a greater, greater impact. And then again, what I talked about initially about how using aromatase inhibitors is not going to be ideal because estrogen helps with hypertrophy. Now, again, obviously if you're getting like some kind of mastia going on, that's a different story. But like when you smash estrogen, you are limiting your hyperbolic response to growth. You just are. Like estrogen actually can activate the IGF-1 receptor pathway. So it is really, really important in that whole relationship between sex hormones, um, growth hormone, and insulin. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then insulin dosing is entirely different in itself as, as yes. well. So like wildly varying compared to GH, which there's a pretty standard, like it's pretty standard for GH. Mm-hmm. Uh, more is not better, of course, but insulin, it should be based off BG levels and off of food intake, not, um, it's, it's going to be very different for each individual. Um, dosing can change depending on if food goes up or food goes down. Um, and so the, in, in that strategy, like you have to make sure that you are on your shit, like that you are like very adherent to your diet. Um, very like, so if you're, if you're dosing based on your food, that means you have to get your food at a certain time at a certain, like when you, when you, um, when you take your insulin dose and all of that, that is, if you cannot stay on your diet, you cannot, this is why we say like, if you cannot stay on your diet, you cannot even think about dipping into, um, drug use or advanced cycle design use. Um, I mean, like I was just talking about this earlier about how, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing any of these things if you don't have uh, your health supplements or your health in check. And what, what makes a, 
a, a great or a very good bodybuilder is ability to adhere. You, I know there's this whole like balance thing and, but that is like, not this crowd, this crowd that we're talking to, like is there are people that are very serious. Um, but, and you have to do things a certain way in order for things to make sense for you to do. Like we said, like growth hormone is probably one of the most expensive things that you like, if it's, if it's, real and it's legit, it's very expensive. Um, and so why would you, why would you purchase that, spend your money and then not adhere to, to the baseline, like low hanging fruit things. Right. Um, so it, and then on top of that insulin, same thing, um, you're taking insulin, but you can't get your food in at a certain time. Okay. Well then we can't do insulin. So this is why it's so important that you're that you're adherent and you just, you understand the, the, the ramifications of things that aren't happening. If you choose not to do that, like those things like really impact your progress and impact your health, impact your money, all of those things. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. If you're doing, if you're not doing the, the little things. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like how you said we're dosing insulin is kind of another beast because it definitely is. And you have to think about like, you know, the different types of insulin too. Like this is where it starts to get like super yeah. like depth, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> that's why it's like having a coach can be super beneficial because you don't want to be using something like, you know, like a, a long acting insulin if you don't need to, versus like, maybe you should be using more of a short acting insulin, like, you know, getting your hands on insulin, because again, insulin is like a prescribed drug that you need, you know, you know, yes, there are some like over the counter you know, um, insulins like Novolin N and Novolin R that you can get from Walmart. But again, like these are not like, I feel like a mom, these aren't toys, but like, they're not toys, right? It's like learning how to dose them is very, very important. And if you don't know how to do that, I don't think you should be doing it without the guidance of someone who is knowledgeable in, you know, these things, because like, again, they're not toys. Like you can overdose on insulin. Like mm -hmm. it's very easy to do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why adherence is so important. Mm -hmm. And then also, I mean, like there's a myth that insulin causes diabetes. Um, and which doesn't I, make any sense considering it's like any the sense, <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense because it, like I was talking about earlier, like medicinal use for, for these drugs. Right. Um, and insulin was one of those ones that was created to assist in diabetic patients. So why would it cause diabetes? Um, also there's a myth that like insulin makes people fat. Well, if you got fat off insulin, it's because you were eating too much. Yep. Like that was, that's you and you didn't know how to dose properly. So <laughs> just keep that. The, the, I think like two, two really big myths that I hear about insulin are those two. Um, and you, that's why low hanging fruit is so important. Like for you to understand and have somebody to guide you through that is so important so that you don't just think like, Oh, I got fat off insulin when I added it in. Well, how much were you eating? Um, what, or my blood glucose levels got super high when I got on insulin. Does it make sense? Like, well, how were you eating? What were you doing? Like what, what all the little things were you doing before you tried to get into the big things? And so, um, just making sure you're very organized with yourself before you decide to dip into things like this. Um, and remember that insulin is also not an anabolic. So like, I think there's some love, there's a lot of discrepancies 
of which drugs are anabolics and which are not. Um, and so here is one of those discrepancies. Um, and so just keep those, keep those things in mind as well. Like when you're understanding and learning drug protocols, like you have to understand what they do and that not every drug is just going to help you gain muscle. Sometimes drugs are used for health, only health purposes. Sometimes yeah. you wouldn't, sometimes you would only use insulin and GH for one reason, but maybe not have uh, an anabolic in at all. Like it, it depends on the person and depends on what you're trying to do. So, um, make sure you, you, you understand and you know, those things as well. And you have a coach that understands those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So looking at like some, some practical applications for the fat loss, because again, this is a little bit different. So this is where we're talking about like a, a subcutaneous injection, because this is where you do kind of want that like systemic free fatty acid release. Cause remember what growth hormone does, it gets the body prepares the body for growth, but in a fat loss, you know, phase or contest prep phase, you know, we want, you know, total body to be shredded. Like, and again, this is not like spot reducing, but it is recommended that like when you're using growth hormone for like a fat loss phase, you do it to mobilize the free fatty acids. Right. So in order to do that, you specifically need to make sure that one, when you're doing your cardio in the morning, you need to be fasted. Right. So like growth hormone is only going to be beneficial for a fat loss phase. If you are using it in a fasted state. So like, you know, it has about like a three hours after you kind of like inject it to kind of like get the effects. So this is where, you know, when you inject, you know, plan accordingly, make sure you're not sipping on amino acids or mm-hmm. putting yeah. coffee. Cause so, people are like, Oh, I'm doing my coffee and my fasted cardio. Yeah. It's, like, it's not fasted. <laughs> like so fasted means nothing water, no- nothing inserts into your your mouth, except for water. That's it. Nothing right. don't else. Don't even fucking take your health subs, just water. Don't even No, Yeah. Like get it together. Get it together. <laughs> None of you are actually, it's funny because like a lot of people will think they're fasted. You're not really fasted. You're not really fasted. If you're, um, taking, taking your health subs still, um, we still want to take those things. Like we still want to take them. But some of them have, cardio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of them have caloric value. You have to understand anything you and you consume has caloric value. Um, and it can impact your ability for mobilization. So just keep that in mind. Right. So like no food, no aminos, no, no meos, like don't flavor that no water. Like just ice <laughs> water and get, get your shit, get your, just go on that treadmill or go walk outside. However you're doing your, your steady state cardio. Cause again, we don't want something that's going to be super intense, right? We want like lower intensity cardio. So it's non glucose intensive. So like, hopefully like if you're doing your own programming or your coaches, you're not like using growth hormone for a fat loss phase and then doing like some type of bullshit hit. Like you want like a slower, moderate intensity cardio to actually burn those free fatty acids that are being released from the growth hormone administration. Mm-hmm. So just that little tidbit there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like the last thing that I think we want to touch on is like the, the debate between like pharma versus generic, because there are some people that are like so passionate, which is not necessarily incorrect, but they're like, they will die on the fact that pharma is better than generic. And I think it's important to understand that it, as long as it's tested for purity, it has the potential to be the same. But the problem is, is who is going to have the means 
to test the purity. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I personally don't like, I don't know how to fucking do that shit. I don't have access to that. So, you know, when thinking about adding it to, you know, a cycle design and using it for, you know, growth or fat loss, like quality matters here. Mm-hmm. Like it genuinely does. Like, unless you have some like in like underground lab where you can like test the purity of your shit one super jealous, good for you. But also just understanding that like the quality matters, mm-hmm. like it, it genuinely does. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about like pricing, if, if things look a little too good to be true, they are mm-hmm. too good to be true. Um, I know these things are super expensive, but please, please err on the side of you get what you pay for. Um, and so you don't, you don't, I wouldn't want to waste any type, any type of resources on anything that wouldn't at least give me some type of effect or some, some type of benefit. Right. Um, but you do want to make sure that it's, it's legit and it's tested and a lot of things are faked too. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. There's always going to be a risk, um, when you are, when you're not going the pharma route, um, and it's going to be a risk doing that too. Like, (laughs) so, you know, you, you, you pick your battles, you do what you need to do. Um, there is no right or wrong way. There's only, um, what you have access to and what you're able, what you're able to acquire. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also being smart about that, about what you're acquiring and how you're doing that. So just keep that, keep all that in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. To kind of sum things up though, I think it's important to recap that like growth hormone by itself will cause fat loss. If you're injecting sub Q and are in a fasted state when doing things like fasted cardio on its own though, growth hormone is not going to cause muscle protein synthesis. It's not going to create that hypertrophy response that it sounds like it would, but it's important to understand the synergistic properties between anabolics, growth hormone, insulin, and even estrogen when it comes to getting the most bang for your buck out of a growth phase. Cause mm-hmm. again, like these things work in tandem together, like, you know, testosterone is going to be increasing growth hormone and IGF one estrogen is important for influencing the IGF one access, like growth hormone receptor and expression and IGF one gene expression is influenced by anabolic. So these things like work beautifully together. Like I said, like the synergy is really, really cool. And there's a potential for using less anabolics when you're using growth hormone. And I think that's really important also as women that are considering, you know, using anabolics is if you could also use growth hormone with that stack, you might you know, have less virilization if you don't have to like push, you know, drugs to that point where you're experiencing negative side effects. So that's like some good practical application for, you know, women trying to keep their femininity um, in a place where it makes them comfortable to still be, you know, human beings and not feel super self-conscious of, you know, potential virilization side effects. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really good point. That was a really good point because I think, um, again, like the discrepancy between what will what will make women virilize and what will not, people don't know that. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a really excellent point. Don't um, get me wrong. Growth hormone does have its effects on yes, like, absolutely. like, like vocals and stuff like that too. Cause mm-hmm. again, like it's a growth promoting agent, but you know, when it comes to proper cycle design and also, you know, going back to the episode that I did with Jamie Pinder, being an advocate for your health and talking with your coach as to what's important to you in preserving your femininity. It just gives you more tools to use and more understanding that way. Again, you can be an advocate for your health and stand up for yourself and what is important to you. Mm-hmm.
Yes, absolutely. And um, with that being said, I think it's a good spot to end right here. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Peace. Peace.